We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Moto, and you are listening to episode 17, Off the Rails. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me. How are you today, Travis? I am fabulous. How are you, David? Pretty good. So have you played a lot of Aether Revolt now that it's out online? I have played a lot over the past two days, yes. I think I've got something like six drafts in, and I'm looking forward to doing Sealed tomorrow on stream. How about you? How how revolting have you been? Uh, I had my first stream in quite a while yesterday, uh, being Wednesday, and um, it, we did two drafts. It was pretty fun, pretty fun. I scrubbed out a one, but the other one was pretty good. And then uh, I also did a pre-release. We did a Two-Headed Giant with my uh, recently uh, turned teenage daughter. Oh, wow. That's really cool, man. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, she she just got into magic, I want to say, like like maybe like six months ago. She really started to like it. I've been kind of pushing that button quite a bit for the last little while here. And uh, finally got her out of Pokemon, and she got really excited with the uh, the Planeswalkers decks that came out last set. So she got a Nissa deck, I got a Chandra deck, and we jammed those together for a while. And then uh, I said, hey, do you want to go play in a tournament? How would How would you like that if we played in a team tournament? And she was all for it. So... It was uh, it was really heartwarming. We went out, and she was by far the youngest person there. But um, she shook everybody's hand, and she said, good luck and congratulations when we lost. Um, good luck in your next round. And she shuffled everybody's decks, and she didn't care that people shuffled hers. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was stressful for me because I had to build both decks. But um, it was kind of eye-opening and reminded me, like, you know, why we play for fun, um, you know, sometimes more than profit. Actually, for me, it's a lot more than profit. But uh, it was it was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. That's 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 a happy daddy right there. Yeah, that's that's why we play, right? So, but uh, I heard you had big news from your stream today. Oh yeah, just you know, they they had the streamer showdown. I crushed, but that that's that's what I do every time. It's no big deal. No, I was super stoked. I can't even humble that one. Um, it, it's always I'm, I'm very thankful that Wizards gives me the opportunity to participate in those streamer showdowns. It's a huge help to to drive some traffic to the stream. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. It, it's great to play against other people that stream. I played against uh, Caleb Durwood, Paul Priest, and Paul Chion. Uh, all good streamers, all good peoples. I haven't gone back and watched it yet from their perspective, but that's probably what I'm doing as soon as we finish recording this. Uh, but very good event. Was Wizards knows how to throw down a party, and I appreciate that they did that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And there's actually another one running uh, right now as we record this that I'm going to go check out when we're done. So there's a couple of streamers that I know that are that are featured. So I, I always look forward to watching those when I can. And uh, it's always a good time. Wizards does know how to throw a good uh, a good online party anyway. So yeah. So, so today I thought we could maybe talk about some Aether Revolt since it just came out. Uh, I think maybe we do a couple of pick one pack ones like we do. And uh, I think we've got a lot of good feedback on that. And we like to keep keep doing that. I also want to try a new thing out. Hopefully, if you're okay with this, I know you don't like ma- making snap judgments and, and first impressions in a format, but I'm going to force you into a couple of rapid fire questions in a segment that I like to call gut shot. We'll see if that sticks. 
And finally, I believe you have a soapbox topic you'd like to talk about. Uh, do you want to reveal that topic or do you want to leave it, uh, leave it as a surprise? Let's leave that one as a surprise and just say that Simulan Soapbox may be a reoccurring segment. We'll see. But you'll have to listen through all the way to the end to see what really grinds my gears this week. (laughs) I do love your soapbox. You do have a very nice soapbox. (laughs) Thank you. It's very sudsy. (laughs) It's definitely sudsy. And you you don't climb on it very often, but when you do, it is definitely worth listening to. So I can get behind a soapbox segment. Okay, so then I guess without further ado, we're just going to roll right into a couple of pick one, pack ones. Sounds good to me. Let's start right. you off with actually my pack one, pick one from the streamer showdown. No pressure, but this did lead to a 3-0 deck. I think after looking through the pack, we can kind of narrow it down to these four cards. So card one, Gifted Aetherborn. This is black, black for a 2-3 death touch lifelink. Card two. All right. Maverick Thopterist, three blue-red for a 2-2 with Improvise. When it enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Prey Upon, we know and love Prey Upon. Green for a sorcery target creature you control, fights target creature you don't control. And Shock, red for an instant, two damage to target creature or player. What do you like, Dave? Remind me what the first one was there again, please. Gifted Aetherborn, it's been called the Vampire Groundhog. Right, 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 okay, okay. That's that's the name that I recognize it most as, so. <laughs> All right, so you've got the Nighthawk, the Groundhog, the Thopter Maker, Prey Upon, and Shock. Correct. Okay. So I'm going to split this into two two categories. Either we're taking a creature or we're taking removal. So let's figure out which is the best removal first. Okay. I, th- I think I like Prey Upon more than Shock, um, but I could be wrong as the format goes on. Um, and the reason is, is because I think there's a lot of seemingly bigger butt creatures in this format. Like there's a lot of threes, three toughness, four toughness, um, which means it's easier to survive on the prey upon end. But shock is a very good card. I'm going to lean toward prey upon because I do like green a little bit more than red. So, okay. So we got prey upon on the one, on the one side. Now out of the creatures, the Thopterist, which I believe you told me on stream that you would never first pick, um, is a gold card. But it is a very good gold card. You've got four power and toughness spread over three bodies for five mana with improvise, which is reasonably easy to turn on for at least one uh, one off your casting cost. So I would say most of the time you're casting that for four mana, maybe four and a half on average. Now, the Groundhawk is just an amazing card. It's a good rate. Two mana for a two, three death touch lifelink is incredible. The casting cost is a little difficult because it is double black. So... It kind of locks you into black, just like the Thopterus locks you into green-red. Oh, that's a tough one. I think they're both better than Prey Upon, but Prey Upon early in a format is really good. I like taking removal early on in a format, so I'm going to make a snap judgment call. I'm going to say I'm going to take the Prey Upon out of those four cards. Okay. I I think that's reasonable. Um, The 3-0 deck would have taken the Gifted Aetherborn. Oh, did you take the Gifted Aetherborn? I did. I did. I, I liked that it was a single color, and I, I thought that Prey Upon and Shock are both pretty good in the decks that they're good in, whereas the Aetherborn gives us options that we may not get otherwise. Like, it can just trade for anything. I ended up getting a really good Death Touch deck uh, with two of the other Death Touchers. But when I took it, I was like, if Black is open, we're going to be happy we have this, and if not, we'll just move right along with our life. Incidentally, the pack I was passed next had another Maverick Thopterist in it, and I passed that one too. <laughs> I mean, 
I guess you would it, two of those would be great, but I I don't fault you for taking the 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 two three death touch at all or death touch lifelink at all. It's just a solid card, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that get blocked on the ground in this format so far. It seems so. I even like the one one death touch a lot as well. The the one that makes um Aether makes poisoner. energy yeah yes the poisoner so no but I think that's a really close pack so you must have struggled with it for at least I don't know what do they give you like ninety seconds to make your first pick. Yes, it, it it was a difficult decision for sure. Okay, awesome. And then you ended up throwing, so obviously that was the correct pick. Yeah, clearly, it's the only reasonable pick because I won. <laughs> All right. Okay, I've got one for you here too. All right. Okay, so I think this will be a common pick one, pack one, uh, even though one of the cards is uncommon. So we're going to go the removal suite. We're going to go the uncommon Thopter Arrest. So... Uh, two and a white. When Thopter Arrest enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls until Thopter Arrest leaves the battlefield. So it's your, essentially your Banishing Light, your O-ring of the format. Versus Daring Demolition, which is two black black, destroy target creature or vehicle for, for at sorcery speed. So you got two sorcery speed removals. One is three mana, single uh, single color casting cost. The other one is four mana, Double black casting cost. One is conditional. It's just gone. And the other one is... It's mostly gone, but it could come back. What do you think? That's an interesting one. Um, I'd probably default to the Thopter Arrest now just because it's cheaper and it's only uh, one one colored pip in the casting cost. The the cards are relatively similar. Like The, the downside of the Thopter Arrest is um, all white decks and are going to be playing the... What, what's the three mana? I should know the names of these cards by now. But it's the Appetite for the Unnatural in white. So you've got two packs of that, and then you've got actual Appetite for the Unnatural in Kaladesh. So there's there are some cards that can interact with this even once you have it on the board. That said, there's not a lot of them, and I'm not super scared of that. Um, so I think I'd default to the Thopter Arrest. One of the interesting things ab- about this format is I've done a bunch of drafts online, and, and it's very early that I've noticed is that it's really hard to draft black. The first black deck that I drafted was actually in the streamer showdown uh, because so many people will open that uh, daring blow up your thing card. I'll learn the card names as this goes on. (laughs) But so many people will open that and be like, "Okay, I'm black and then just take every black card they see rather than trying to figure out what's open. So I kind of avoided black for that reason. It's very similar to how green was when Kaladesh initially came out. Have you Mm -hmm. experienced anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I only I've only done the two drafts, but black seems very shallow, and I don't know if it's because it's overdrafted or if because yeah, or if it's because um, it's just not a deep color, right? Like, there's a lot of really good cards in black, but if somebody besides you take like takes like a first pick black bomb card, and then they take black cards in the next two packs, is there just not enough black that's ever going to come from that direction in in the rest of the pack? Um, you know to to support a second drafter or is it just because everybody's drafting black because like you said they open a a really good removal spell at at common and everybody's all of a sudden black right so it'll be interesting to see i did draft a a good white black deck last night but the black was definitely the support color Mm -hmm. and i in in that deck like i think i early picked a daring demolition um and didn't really force black because of it i just kind of picked up some extra black but it definitely felt like i was not getting a lot of black um, even though I was seeing decent black cards, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it, it reminds me of Oblivion Strike in the uh, most recent Zendikar Black, where you like you open mm-hmm. it and you have to take it because it's, it's just the best card. But like that and the the pacifism effect caught in the brights are the mm-hmm. two cards that people are going to open and first pick very often and be like, okay, we're in these colors. And like, if you stick to that, it's going to lead to bad drafts for you. I started two drafts first picking Yehenny's Expertise and didn't and ended up not playing them because like no black came around. It was like, okay. That works. Yeah, that's going to be challenging in the format. I do feel that white is a little deeper, or maybe mm-hmm. people aren't drafting it as much because there are fewer white bomb removal spells. Um, like black has one, two, three bomb removal spells, and maybe white only has two, I think. If I'm counting, the, like I'm talking like common and uncommon. Yeah. What does black have? Black has fatal push, um, daring demolition, and oh no the other one i'm thinking of is the rare it's the x spell right battle at the bridge yeah which is a it's just a great card too white kind of leans more toward the creature side of things um so early in the format i think people are always picking at least i'm picking removal highly over creatures if they're if they're close right i just lean toward the removal um it'll be interesting to see how it evolves but tough to tell right now if black is just shallow or overdrafted one of the cards I'm noticing here too, because um, I'm, I'm looking at the screen cap from that pack one, pick one, uh, Fourth Bridge Prowler. I have main decked this card twice, and I have been exceptionally happy to have it in my main deck. Exactly one copy. That's the one one black for a one one. When it enters the battlefield, target creature gets neg one, neg one until end of turn. Like mm-hmm. if you ever play against a wider red deck, it's amazing. It's so good. Like you snipe one of their three ones and now they're staring at it with another. Or God, the white red deck, it's so good. You like come down and destroy their two one first striker and now they don't want to attack in with their three one. It's like if you're playing black, don't pick this guy early or don't pick him often. But if one wheels and you're you're already in black, grab one of these and don't be afraid to main deck it. Sorry, random Travis tangent. No, no, that's good. I mean, this that's what this whole this whole podcast is going to be. It's just off the rails, like we said. So. Um, I haven't had a chance to play with that one, but I definitely did see a lot of it coming around in in pack one and pack two, like late. Mm-hmm. Um, I just prioritized white cards over it, I think, in my first draft. So, um, but yeah, I could see that there was a lot of um, even just picking off a random servo is decent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cards in the Kaladesh packs too that you can pick off with it. So, basically, like you said, don't run more than one, um, but don't be ashamed to run one either. So, yeah, cool. All right, I think we're going to take a very, very short break, and then we're going to come back with our gut shot segment. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for this one. How about you? I'm not at all. You've, you've told me that you're <laughs> going to hit me in the gut. but uh, I'm, I'm forcing you into this, and you're going to like it. So, Ugh. All right, stay with us till after the break. All right, Travis. Are you ready for gut shot? No. I have in front of me seven rapid fire questions. You will be on the clock. I'm going to write your answers down and then we're going to come back and we're going to review them. The whole point of this is to get your gut reaction, your initial impression, subconscious reaction to all of these questions. They are all eighth revolt block related questions. Are you ready? No. Start the clock. Okay. Here we go. Question one. Best color in Aether Revolt? Red. Red. Second question. Worst color in Aether Revolt? Uh, blue. 
Blue. Third question. Renegade Freighter or Untethered Express? Renegade Freighter. Ooh. Fourth question. Best new mechanic? That's Improviser Revolt. Improviser Revolt. Um, Im- Improvise, I suppose. Question number five. How many improvised spells does it take for you to play an Ornithopter in your draft deck? There are not enough improvised spells for me to play an Ornithopter in my draft deck. Question number six. The best or your favorite way to trigger revolt? Attacking. And finally, question number seven. How many renegade maps before you will cut a land from your deck? That's a really good question. Um, I don't have a solid answer, but I would say two. All right. But that's that's more of a gut feeling, you might say. Exactly. And that was the idea. Okay, so we'll go back and review those. So that was really good. All right, all right. I could be like a game show host here. Okay, so it's kind of like a this is your life, but, you know, more punches to the gut, I guess. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's start with the first question. So I asked you, question number one was, what is the best color in Aether Revolt? And you said... I said red. It's probably not actually red. The The actual answer is probably black or green. The problem mm-hmm. is in all the drafts that I've done so far, black and green have not been open. So I've ended mm-hmm. up drafting a lot of red and I've done well with it. Uh, like... Um, What's the card? Chandra's Revolution? Sh- Revolution, the four damage tap of land. Yeah, I've ended up with like two or three of those in decks and they've been fine. The two one first strikers have been pretty good. I killed somebody by with the sacrifice and artifact to two damage guy. I had a Quicksmith Rebel in a deck and those were good. So like, I, I think the black cards and the green cards are probably better than the red cards. They've just gotten gobbled up. So I've ended mm. up with decks that have two or three of the two one first striker that can make servos, and I've been really happy with that. So so far, red has been more open. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that necessarily makes it the best color. It's just the best color that I've gotten to play with a lot. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, and again, that, like that comes with exploration of the format here. So mm-hmm. um, from what I've seen so far, it feels like um, green is really good. Um, black is obviously really good with the removal, but again, I don't know how deep it is. Um, I have been a big fan of white, but I think that might be because of the, the really good creatures, like the, the rare creatures, the, the double striker with revolt that gets a plus one, plus one, the solemn recruit, I think it's called. So good. So good. Right. But like, then you just look at the green creatures and there's a lot of like uncommon green creatures that are just kind of better than a lot of what white is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels like it's easier to get into that green deck maybe. And I just like green in general. So um, I'm kind of leaning toward the black green as, as same as you. I'm going to, I would pick green, I think if I was doing my gut reaction, but um, I mean, they all feel really close, right? Like it doesn't feel like there's a, a really like a decidedly fifth color, which kind of leads into question number two. So I asked you, what is the worst color? And you said, uh blue blue i mean question mark question mark um the the blue stuff isn't slanted quite as aggressively as all of the other colors are it looks to be more interested in doing evasion or ramping out things with improvise and then like its premier removal spell is ice over which is kind of a situational assassinate like i I, i'm not really thrilled with that but i still think it's fine and like i three owed with a, a a deck that was base blue it was blue red artifacts so like there's nothing wrong with blue. Like I, I, it feels like blue was solidly the worst in Kaladesh. 
which is probably why I eventually went uh, blue, at least mm-hmm. from my perspective. I know there's a lot of people that would say different things. That's fine. But that's kind of why I le- leaned towards blue, although blue's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Do you no, have a spin um, on what's the worst color? I was, if I had to pick, I'd pick blue, but I think they're all close. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, Battle for Zendikar green or, uh, you know, I don't think it's that, there's anything that's that bad. And I don't think it's even close to that. It's probably like, you know, 52 to 48 or 53 to 47 taught like best to worst kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll find out as, as it goes along, but blue does suffer from lack of removal. Yeah. Right. And it feels like you might need to have a shtick in blue to get there. Um, so like I ran into a sick black blue improvised deck last night where they were playing like the white puzzle knot and um, the one drop artifacts, the universal solvent and just ramping out four, four hex proofs, like on turn three, turn four. And it's like, I can't beat this. But those if you don't have a stick so annoying, like she landed two of those against me. Oh, I know. But if you're not doing that, it feels like there's not much there. Right. Or if you're not mm-hmm. playing the, the big Aether whale um, with his buddy, the other Aether whale. And if you're not playing the four, three flyer with improvise, um, it doesn't feel like there's much else going on. Yeah. So, eh, I mean, the, the flash defender is kind of cool, but there's not a lot of energy in in Aether Revolt. So eh, I, I passed that I guy it. a couple times because it's like it's really cool that he flashes in and blocks and then you can draw cards. But it's like you're never going to win the game with that card. It, it can't deal any damage to your opponent. The only thing you could do is lose because you drew too many cards. That, that doesn't make it bad. But like I like picking cards that can win the game, yeah. not ones that necessarily and prolong it. If I knew that I could get a lot of energy in the first two packs, which I don't it doesn't feel like I can. Uh, maybe I'm just not paying attention to the cards, but I think it would be a better card. But I have to rely on all of my energy generators in pack three. Like I got to get like a, uh, like a uh, one of the modules that that is energy related. Like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it does. Blue does have the sky uh, the skyship plunderer, which I think is a really cool card. I just haven't had a chance to like go off with it yet. So. Yeah, but it, to, to put a, a cap on the discussion, though, I, I don't think that there's a solidly worse color. I, and, and I think I agree with you after some reevaluation that black and green are probably the two the two best, but it's not by that much. Nah, I don't think you can go wrong. So, okay. Next question. Question three was freighter or untethered express. So that would be renegade freighter, uh, which is the vehicle for three mana. It's a four, three that turns into a five, four when it attacks has trample. The untethered express is the four mana version, which is a four, four. Is that right? Starts as a four, four, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, puts a plus one, plus one counter on it when it attacks and it has trample as well. And you chose the renegade freighter. I did. Um, also relevant. The dino train is crew one, mm. whereas the pain train is crew two, but it's renegade freighter every time for me. The, the reason the freighter is so irritating and like you'll never be you'll never be stuck picking between these two cards, but a lot of people will say which one is better, which one is better. I gotta know. Do you hit your fourth land drop every single time in every game of limited you ever play? Nope. Okay. the The freighter doesn't care if you hit your fourth land drop. It just cares if you got somebody to conduct that train. Now, mm-hmm. clearly, once they get active, the Dino Train is much better. The Untethered Express is just a better card. It should be. It costs one more mana and it's uncommon and it's cheaper to crew. But the problem with the freighter is that it's attacking you on turn four every single game and you've got to interact with it with all their mana up. The same can be said of of the the dino train, but it's turn five. Like you could cast tidy conclusion. There's like so many more things you could have at that point. 
Uh, so that, that extra turn off is a big deal. And, and like I said, it's not always an extra turn. Sometimes you're like, oh, we're going to get them. And you don't draw your fourth land. And it, it's sad. That said, they're both very powerful cards. Yeah, Renegade Freighter is attacking on turn four a lot more than the uh, Untethered Express is attacking on turn five. Mm-hmm. Right? Just like, it's just so reliable. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the Freighter, but Untethered Express is good. Yeah, I've had the chance to play with it twice already and against it. I think three times, which is ridiculous for an uncommon. And it, it the game has warped around to that card once it resolved. It's a very, very good card. You're going to hate it at the end of this format, aren't you? No, I'm going to love it. I embrace the Renegade Freighter. I just wanted to attack with them. <laughs> okay. All right. Next up, I asked you, best. what is the best new mechanic? So that was Improvise versus Revolt. And I picked improvise. Um, mm-hmm. Improvise is easy. I don't need to depend on my opponent to do anything. And I don't need to play garbage cards to enable it. I just need to have good artifacts in my deck that has improvised cards. And if I cheat them out, that's cool. And if I don't, I'll just cast them later. It's no big deal. I would have picked, I think I would have picked revolt. Um, and the reason I picked revolt is because I think it changes the way that we think about magic and we normally approach magic. So it, it kind of like bakes my brain. It, it gets me thinking in different ways when it comes to magic. So, you know, it changes how you attack or how you block. And it makes you think about different approaches, different lines to the game. Not necessarily like, so not necessarily because it's a better mechanic, just because I think it's, it's more interesting, more fun to play with. Um, and it's a little bit more of a combo uh, mechanic. So um, there's a, I got the hidden stockpile in my first draft deck and I got to kind of play around with the the revolt triggers on that. And it was uh it was actually really cool, really fun, interactive for me. Like my opponent obviously wasn't interacting with it very much. Um the downside of it is is that nobody blocks. I mean, I don't know if that's an upside or downside, but like nobody's blocking when I attack with my tutus anymore. So like it's really difficult to trigger I find trigger revolt by attacking. Yeah. Um, but it it does improve the value of three ones because we were okay trading three ones for two twos, you know, frequently because what else are you going to do? They're, they're just, it's just a three one. And sometimes you get in for three damage because your opponent doesn't want to block. But now if they don't block, they're taking three. And if they do block, you can get a revolt trigger. So it's pretty cool. Um, I also like the revolt flickering effects. So like uh, acrobatic maneuver or um, the blue ones, you know, triggering your revolt triggers um, on themselves, essentially, I think is a really cool mechanic, but it's pretty close. See, for me, all of everything that you said about revolt is true. So I figured out, okay, here's how I beat the revolt decks. Don't block. If I'm not, if I'm not blocking or I'm not blocking and having things bounce, then I need to be attacking, which is slanted towards me drafting the most aggressive decks I possibly can. And I don't care if they're attacking me. I want Mm -hmm. every game to be a race. I've got burn in the deck. I've got reach in the deck. I've got something evasive to finish the game. And I, I just want to swing dude sideways as fast as I can. The only other way to trigger um, revolt is playing cards that I don't particularly like, like the map. You don't like the map? I don't like the map unless I'm improvising, mana fixing, and need revolt. Hmm. Like I want it to do all three things for me, or I don't think I want it. I think it's probably okay if I'm taking two of those. But I've never been willing to take it early enough. I say never as if I've done a million drafts. We're only six in. But it's, it's I have some of the issues with it that I did with Terrarian and that it can fix your mana. It can draw you a card. It it can enable Delirium. Like it can do all of those things. And the map just kind of 
I want it to be doing more than one thing in my deck, which means I usually don't get the opportunity to play with one. I, I feel like the because nobody's blocking, Revolt is just a worse mechanic unless you enable it. Meaning if you don't draw your enablers, you just got these cards with extra flavor text. So I'd rather just be casting as many creatures as I can and attacking with them as often as I can and then winning the game. That's fair. I've been kind of underwhelmed with the 2-2 that makes a servo uh, on the revolt trigger mm-hmm. um, or when it comes into play. And the reason for that is because it's just a 2-2 a lot of the time. Like very rarely has it made a, a servo for me. Um, where I do like the map though, even if it's not fixing, is where you have the repeatable revolt effects. So the 2-2 double, double striker um, or you have devastating revolt effects like the um, the the black one that's a minus three minus three. I would play a renegade map in a deck with that because the minus three minus three is just so devastating. Um, you know, it's it, you're drawing a, a land, reducing the number of lands in your deck, obviously, which is, you know, it's it's negligible, but it is there. You know, you can crack it on upkeep or whatever. Um, plus, it just makes for some interesting plays. Um, what else is there for revolt that's really good? The the unity call for unity. Um, but I think you're right. It is it is tough to get revolt going. People just don't block. But then you're just it's an aggressive mechanic, right? Make, mm-hmm. You know what? If I just had a white deck that had no revolt cards, I'd still probably attack with my servos and my two twos into their two threes and just be like, hey, look at me. I don't have any revolt, but you don't know that. You don't know that, right? Everybody's got revolt. So there's a couple of really underwhelming revolt cards, though. So it's kind of hit or miss. Improvise, though. Man, I got rolled by that improvised deck yesterday. I, I was I facing have... down a Fen Hauler and two of the Hexproof guys on like turn seven. The. Improvises is a really good mechanic. Any any cost reduction mechanic that we've seen in Magic has been quite good. Gearseeker Serpent was a version of that, and it was quite good. That's what, in my opinion, made Blue playable in Kaladesh. If it wasn't for Gearseeker Serpents, I really wasn't interested in playing Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's again why I like it. Improvise can play nicely as long as you're playing good artifacts. I just I wouldn't play garbage artifacts to enable Improvise. Like so far, none of the implements have really looked good enough for me to play. I think the blue one's all right if you're improvising heavily and the green one's all right if you're like green, blue and improvising heavily. But generally speaking, you can just put them in your deck with artifacts that mm-hmm. are playable and occasionally get to cast it cheaper. I did get to find out that if you improvise with key to the city, it untaps and you can draw a card if you'd like. That was pretty neat. Ah, that is very cool. Two mana draw card. Yeah, so there's there's some other little neat shenanigans uh, that that weren't apparent at at first glance, but I, I like improvise a lot. It's nice, simple. It plays it, it's well self contained. I don't need to build a deck around it. I just play good artifacts and good improvised cards. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, speaking of improvise, I asked you how many improvised spells do you need before you'll play a Mox Ornithopter. <laughs> a Mox Ornithopter, he says. And and you said there are there's not enough room in your deck. Yeah, the Ornithopter debate is a classic old one. And I even had folks asking me to to play it on stream today. And like, it's it's dream, it's a cute card. A lot of people like it. We've even seen formats where Ornithopter was playable in the Ensoul Artifact deck of Ages Past. Like if you had three Ensouls, we can start talking about putting an Ornithopter in that deck because you just need something to carry it. But even then it wasn't your favorite target for it. Um th- there's just not enough improvised spells to make it worthwhile. And even though it's a free card and that it doesn't cost you mana, a zero two flyer doesn't actually do anything. The only thing you've got going for it is it can block servos without triggering revolt. 
uh, that's just not enough for me. I need my cards to do more. So no, no ornithopters for me. You can fly somewhere else. Even if you had the, was it Tezzeret's Touch? Is that what it is? The make your artifact a 5-5? Five, five? Mm-hmm. Just put it on a puzzle knot that does something. Play the green puzzle knot in your blue-black deck. It's worth more than an ornithopter is. Yeah. Period, right? Like, the zero casting cost, people just get hooked on, and no. I'm a little little bit higher on it than you when it comes to revolt or to uh, improvise. If I had 23 improvise spells in my deck, <laughs> sure. I would play a I would play an ornithopter over a land for sure. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, actually, maybe closer to like 22, but we'll see. There's not that much improvise though, right? Like, there, yeah, there's just not enough of it. There's just not, and it doesn't pay for colored costs. Just don't even do it. Just don't ornithopter. Not even once, folks, please. I'm going to get a tweet. Somebody's going to say, hey, look at my Ornithopter deck. I'm going to say, hey, I yeah. don't care. All right. Next up, best way to trigger revolt. We kind of already talked about this, but you answered. Attacking. Attacking. Yeah. Because right, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that one. The the times I have had revolt cards in my deck, and you said you didn't like the two mana 2-2 two, two that can make a, a servo a if it's line. revolted. Yeah. I like it because I can play it on turn two and attack with it. I had a scenario where I did that and they blocked and I played the rallier and got it back and got the servo. That was great. I had another one where I attacked with it and they didn't block and they took two damage. And that was awesome because now they only have 18 life. So I I want to be aggressive. I want to be attacking anyway. I look at revolt as like bonus text for when they block and trade. And if it it, like, I'm not currently willing to do any work to enable it because I just want to be attacking and hitting them in the face anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, they feel like they've got me when they do that, and then I play the Rallier as a 3-2. But sure, I was going to play a 3-2 anyway. That's fine, man. Yeah, and I think, like, as a as a 2-drop, it's fine. But I think I was just underwhelmed by, the like, the Revolt. Like, it very rarely comes into play. Like, you never get that bonus, it seems. Yeah. Um, would you rather that or the 3-1? Like, any 3-1? Anything that costs 2 mana and has power and toughness is probably yeah. fine in that slot. Okay. Cool. Um, my favorite way to trigger revolt so far is the hidden stockpile. Oh God, no! That card's garbage. It's not garbage. It's... It, it actually worked out. So here's here's what happened: is I played it in a deck with Ninth Bridge Patrol and the Salvager, the black guy that sacrifices artifacts to put a plus one plus one counter on things. <laughs> it was so. It was it was slow and dirtily. But while I was setting it up, I had a bunch of other like servo makers and stuff like that. While I was setting it up. I was able to scry for value. So I could scry my upkeep for one, which would get me a servo at the end of the turn. So basically it's just one mana, look at the top card, put it on the bottom, whatever. And then once I had like kind of my little engine going, I could just start sacrificing servos, get a bunch of plus one, plus one counters, triggering revolt on like a solemn recruit or something like that. Right. And it's just a very cheap way to do that. Um, It's not, I don't think it's great. I think there might be like a hidden stockpile deck in the format that is actually good. Um, and, and it was fun to play with, but I don't think it's uh, it's great. But it is my favorite way so far. And I do like the Renegade map. I think it's a good card. I can appreciate that. And I'm, I'm not denying that it's fun or that the card doesn't appeal to some inner, like, make this work gene within me. I know that I've I've passed it every time I've seen it. Every mm-hmm. time I've played against it, I've been happy my opponent played it and I've won the game. Th- th- it may still be too early. Right. Like it may be that that card is indeed breakable and someone is out there doing it and three owing all their drafts. I want to see that deck first before I draft it, because so far I just I again want aggressive creatures, removal spells. I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. 
I got it on the wheel, so I wasn't early picking it either, but it just kind of fit in my deck. So, okay. I may have go. to go back and rewatch that. That, that might be an, an interesting lesson for me. All right. And then finally, the last one, how many renegade maps to play one fewer lens? So we kind of had this debate with, um, a tune with Aether mm-hmm. and everybody was all about playing 15 land and 14 land and, and you have three attune with ethers. Why don't you just play 12 land? Didn't quite work that way. But how do you feel about Renegade Map when it comes to reducing the number of lands in your deck? Assuming, well, no, we can talk about splashing versus not splashing as well. I think that's that's a really good distinction there. I, I think now that I've actually thought through it, I could probably get away with playing one fewer land with one map. It depends on how high my curve goes, and it depends on what I want the map for. Do I want it to improvise? Do I want it to trigger revolt? I I think maybe the magic number is two if you're doing some sort of splashing. But I I guess at the end of the day, I'm never really looking to play 16 land decks. I'm looking for excuses to play 18 land decks. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I'm the hyper aggressive player currently and I still want 17 lands. I guess I'm saying I play aggressive decks and I, I guess I'm really not. It's a, I'm playing decks that have like, I don't know, five, two drops and, mm-hmm. you know, seven, three drops. It, it's not aggressive. It's just a deck that's looking to play twos and threes and then follow it up with removal while attacking you. I've, yeah, I've, you're just looking to get out early. Yeah, I, I've I've yet to play a map. I have not drafted one or had one in a deck yet. Okay. Um, I did have an opponent that destroyed me with a map into... The portal. Oh God, that was so bad. Which one was? Which one's the portal? Is that the that plan- mythic that I'm not even? Yeah, the planar portal. It's six mana to cast, and then eight mana go get a card from your deck and put it on the battlefield. Um, I, I just drew terribly poorly, and they got that going. I was like, oh no. But it, yeah, it, I've yet to play with the map, so I don't have a good feel for that. But generally, I'm going to be playing seventeen lands. Mm-hmm. There were cases where I had two attune with aethers in a deck that was fixing and relatively low curve, and I played 16 at that point. So maybe two is the answer. What's your thought? You've played with the card some. Yeah, so I played a... I had a, My black-white deck was Splashing Blue. So I had two blue sources for a Cloud Blazer and a Spire Patrol, the 3-2 that taps down a creature when it comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, or puts it to sleep, I guess. Um, I played one map in that deck, and it was for obviously for the fixing. But I think I also played 16. I'm going to have to go back and look. And I don't think I would do that again if I was splashing. So the reason being is because if you have one land plus a map, what do you go get? Right? You're obviously going to get your secondary color or the, the color that's going to cast the cards in your hand. But if you're playing a three, three color deck, you just killed a source of your of your splash. Right? So now, now I'm down to like two blue sources instead of three blue sources. Um, and you go and get that card and now you're down to 14 land in your deck instead of 15 to draw from, which is significant, right? Like the difference from 14 to 15 is a a couple of percentage points in a draft deck, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think I like that risk. I think if I was running two colors and the revolt mattered, I would probably play one over a land, um, especially if I needed double color of something because that would be like an extra source. So I could play like 10 green, you know, six blue and then maybe still run a, a blue, like a double blue card and be okay with it. Um, because you kind of want to run green so you can get your ramp creatures out early. It's it's going to be tough to say, but I was not on board as much with the attune to play like 16 lands until we all kind of realized that it was like, well, there's no mana sinks in the format. So like 
play as few land as possible. I still didn't fully get behind that, but I could see the argument and I kind of didn't necessarily disagree with it. Um, but I think the maps um, are, are going to be good for fixing, going to be very good for fixing. And then just in like a random two color, like green, white revolt deck where you have, you know, call of unity or something like that. I think I would play it in there for sure, just to get that extra opportunity to get a trigger on some of my bomb cards. That I deck, wouldn't play it just to get servos though. That deck you're describing sounds like a good deck for the map where you're splashing, you have some revolt triggers. You mm-hmm. may have had an improvised spell in there if you were in black. Um, maybe not, but like, I, that sounds like a deck where I would actively want one of those maps. I'm going to have to play more. Like we're six drafts into it, but I can say I'm excited to do the next six and the six after that. Oh, for sure. I don't think it goes in every deck, right? I think there's definitely a deck and either like, I think the revolt is, is there for it, obviously. But I mean, sometimes you just need fixing, right? Sometimes you, prismatic prism didn't go in every deck, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you played it in your deck because you needed the fixing or you wanted to draw the card or whatever, right? So you know, your mileage may be very. Indeed. Okay, so so how do you feel then about the format so far? Are you liking it? Yeah, I've had a blast. I'm excited to record more draft videos, stream more, play more. Um, I, I have not done any sealed yet, which is kind of my favorite way to experience a new format. But because I knew the streamer showdown was going to be draft, I wanted to make sure I got some practice in first. So like, I'm, I'm really excited about tomorrow diving into a sealed pool. I'll probably jam a lot of that. And then, you know, PPTQs, all the good stuff we've got coming up. But I'm I'm excited to play this format. Nice, yeah, me too. We've got um, uh, I'm back on the the streaming train. So I started again this week. Got a nice little schedule put together for next week. So really looking forward to just doing nothing but drafts all the way through the next couple of months. Hopefully, um, the the two at a giant like the pre release was a ton of fun. Um, my experience with that was like I'm gonna do it again. And, um, the, like, we're going to go try to play another sealed or another draft together. But, um, the decks that I've built so far, I think have been interesting, but not overly powerful with the exception of the green white deck that we built at the pre-release. Cause I just gave her all the good cards and it's here to play with all these amazing rares. Um, <laughs> but I look, I look forward to seeing kind of like how fast the format is, what, uh, what archetypes there are. Like I said, I got wrecked by this blue black improvised deck last night. Um, really looking forward to drafting my, uh, staple green, white creatures deck though. I think that'll be really good in this format. And there's so much double strike in this format and first strike in this format. I can't wait to just like swing for eight on turn four, just like eh, caught in the brights swing for a million with my double striker. You know, are you dead yet? No. Okay. Well, you're dead next turn. So try to work a sealed into your rotation. I, I still am a, a big proponent of sealed being a fun format that I don't think gets enough attention. Um, give that a go. If you have a shot. Not saying, you know, grind it for days and days and days, but give one a shot. Sealed can be quite fun. I will take you up on that. You're paying for it, right? Excellent. No, no not at all. <laughs> ah, thought I had you. All right. So we'll uh, we'll run the bumper here and then we'll get you up for Semulin Soapbox. How does that sound? That sounds good. Let me get climbed up on my soapbox here. <laughs> all right. We'll be back after the break. <laughs> All right, you know him, you love him. He is the wonderful Semulin, and he has a bone to pick with you. Yes, you listening right now. Well, maybe not you, but somebody out there, he's got a bone to pick. This is Semulin's Soapbox. Well, now that I'm up on my soapbox, I I do have something that I think we could do better as people who watch streams. So when you're making a comment in a stream, let's presume that you're not going to troll. 
right? And that you're not going to artfully troll as Dave has mastered. And you're not just going to come in and say something obviously stupid or mean. So coming in and saying, for example, what game is this? You're ugly. We're not talking about that. And we're not talking about trolls like, again, Dave popping in and saying, you're going to play Ornithopter, right? You have an improvised card. Not talking about that. When you're interacting with a streamer, one thing that you can do that will make the experience better for both you and for that streamer is to try to speak in such a way as to encourage conversation rather than talking in absolutes. So let's take for a moment an example. Let's say that I am 90% right to be 90% to be right about a position and Dave is only 10% right, 10% to be correct about that position. If I'm watching his stream and I come in and I'm again, 90% to be correct. And I just make my statement, Dave, you're an idiot. You should be playing this card. What I'm doing is presenting a 90% chance for Dave to look like an idiot and a 10% chance for me to look like an idiot. And there's no position for, for conversation. I'll just say, you're stupid. You should play this card. He'll say, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to play this card. And then that's the end of that. You can instead phrase that as something like, how do you feel about ice over in this format? I found it to be quite a good removal spell. So if, if what I'm thinking is the streamer's an idiot for not playing ice over, just as an example, Rather than saying it that way, by phrasing it in a nice way and asking a question, we're generating more conversation. This applies not only to magic and watching streams, but to your entire life. Like when you can say something in a nice way, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Then you're going to get a much better response. So consider this the next time that you're watching a stream and you see somebody playing a card that you don't like, or you see a card in their sideboard that you do like. If you jump in and say something to the extent of, you're stupid, you should play this card. That's a windmill slam first pick. That card's unplayable. I've even got to watch myself with that sometimes. My first 3 deck in Aether Revolt Limited had a Curio Vendor in it. And not only was it correct to play it, it was an all-star in that deck. That deck didn't want to die to three ones. And Curio Vendor can make sure you don't die to three ones. So a lot of people would pop in and some of them would say, Hey, Travis, I see you're playing Curio Vendor. Why is that in the deck? And we had a great conversation about how this was the perfect, you know, confluence for Curio Vendor to be a good card. Other people would pop in the stream and say, you're playing Curio Vendor, lol, noob. It's like, I can't really talk much about that, nor am I really inclined to. So if you want to, if you want to participate in a stream or just be a decent human being, as you're watching something, ask questions that will lead to a lot more conversation and make for a better viewing experience for you and a better streaming experience for the streamer. I'm going to step down off my soapbox for a minute and just ask Dave if he has any thoughts about this. I think you're hundred percent right. So I, I like to troll in your stream, but that's because we are friends. We but are. You know, that, you know that when I'm trolling you, obviously I'm not doing it to be mean spirited and you give it back and, and that's great. And that's fine. And if you have a good relationship with your streamer or with the person that's making your YouTube comment or whatever, or content, that's fine, right? That that's good. Some people like the trolls. Some people give and take. Some people don't, you know, your mileage may vary, but if you come into a stream and you just kind of throw down the gauntlet and, and you're taking a strong position of, I am right. And I will never be wrong. You're just, you're just going to create a divide, right? You're going to create the people that are with you, the people that are against you. And if the streamer is against you, you're not getting anywhere. There's no conversation. And your stream especially is good for learning. 
right? Or talking through plays, talking through lines, trying to figure out what the best deck is, what the best card is. It's it's not, you know, even if you were on the Pro Tour, you know, you're very close. You know, you've you've almost made the Pro Tour a couple of times now. But even if you were on the Pro Tour, I don't think that would change how your stream works. No. Right? That's that's not your style. And I think that that fits a lot of Magic streamers. I don't think there's a lot of Magic streamers that kind of work very well under that kind of confrontational mode, I guess. So I think you're 100% right. You know, I really like it in my stream when uh, we've got a couple of, of really good viewers that, that frequent both of our streams that... Um, that they they bring that approach they like hey why don't you play this or it's not just like a fact it's just like you know here's a card let's think about it um and very rarely do i get mostly because i'm a small time streamer very rarely do i get that kind of you know you're an idiot for playing this but when i do it just sucks i don't want to get my back up over something like that i don't want to get all like hot and bothered over that i just want to have a good conversation and just kind of enjoy the game so i'm with you there was this guy a long time ago his name was socrates and he developed a way of teaching that is known as the Socratic method, and it involves asking questions. So if I'm watching a stream and I think I I have a read on a card that they don't, the best way for me to communicate that information to them is to ask them a question about it and then have them kind of work through those mental jumps of where is this card good? Where is this card bad? Sometimes when I do that, I'll, I'll see that the streamer I'm watching like goes through that process and is like, wow, this card is way better than I thought. Other times I'll ask that question and they'll go, yeah, but X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. The card's just not as good as I thought it was. And those are great conversations for both of us. Either way, someone has learned something and conversation has been started. But either of those cases, again, if I come in and say this card's bad, you shouldn't play it. There's not really place for a conversation. It's also not likely to get a response. And I would again encourage you, this is a life hack, not just a magic hack. Anytime you want to communicate with someone, if, you, if you've if you got something that you want to say where you think you're right, if you can phrase it as a question and have them come to the conclusion that, oh, that, that Steve guy, he knows what he's talking about, that's way better for you than just coming out and stating your opinion. Like, it just makes you a nice person. Uh, it makes you more approachable, makes people more likely to communicate with you. So come by my stream and tell me I'm a noob. Have you, you've seen the movie Inception, right? I have. So the concept in that movie where they planted the idea, spoiler alerts, deep down in, in somebody's subconscious, it's kind of the same thing, right? By asking a question, you're letting them bubble the answer up and come up with the answer themselves. And they they buy into it a lot more that way. Um and if they don't, then you're right. Then they challenge you right back. But at least you had that conversation. And that's where we all learn is where we're having a back and forth. And, you know, in things like life and politics and, and, and you know, religious beliefs and things like that, everybody's so polarized. Everything's so polarizing. It's you're either with us or against us. I don't like that. I don't want my magic stream to be that. And I really appreciate that that your stream is not a place for that. How do you think this is kind of related? And I want to maybe ask you about this. What do you think about when people just come in and say, you know, this card is crap because this streamer over here said it was crap? What do you, what do you, what's your take on that? I think listening to streamers, magic pros, I mean, and I'm including myself in the streamer thing. If I tell you a card is amazing or a card is garbage after six drafts, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I certainly don't on the set review. Like that's a place to start, right? So there were some cards there that I thought were pretty good. And now that I've played with them, I'm like, some of them were better than I thought they were. Some of them were worse. We'll figure this out as we go along. So I, I wouldn't take the the first impression from other streamers or from a, a an expert as the end-all, be-all, stop the conversation. I would take it as a good starting point if you're a newer player. 
But like, I still want to read written set reviews and listen to podcast set reviews from other pros. And I'm going to take what they say and think about it. I'm not just going to say, okay, um, LSV likes this card. Therefore, it must be a good card because there's some stylistic differences too. Um, I tend to gravitate more towards winning by attacking and trying to affect the board and in that style of play. So my evaluation is going to be a little bit off from that anyway. Does that make sense? So like take, take what anybody's saying, including me, including Dave as a starting point and then think for yourself. So I I wouldn't pop into a, a stream or I wouldn't decide Travis likes this card. So it must be great. Like, don't blame me for your deck that's playing five of those one ones that ping a guy. That that's not my fault, man. Think about it. <laughs> I like it. I also like not getting the blame put on me when I say a card's good and, and it turns out to not be good at all. So that's totally your fault. Please, please don't go in Travis's stream and said that I said aid from the cowl is a good card. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> all right. You got anything else on that soapbox? No, I think I'm ready to step down from the soapbox for now, but I do reserve the right. Uh, it's it's right here beside the desk. I may climb up on that again one day. Sounds good. You know what? I think there's always a spot for you at the end of these episodes because I think it's a really good way to close out a podcast. So anytime you want, man. Awesome. All right. So that being said, we have reached the end of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed your listen today. Uh, where can they find you on the Twitter and the Twitch? I am Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. You can find me on Twitter under that handle, at Simulin, and on Twitch under that handle. It's uh, twitch.tv slash Simulin. And what do you got going on for streaming this week? Uh, Aether Revolt, more Aether Revolt, and more Aether Revolt. Um, I've been streaming some Eternal as well as Magic, and I think I'm going to have a day for that. Uh, But really sticking to Aether Revolt Sealed, uh, probably Friday and one of the days over the weekends, and then a mix of sealed and draft as that continues. Nice. When's the next PPTQ? I don't think they have them posted yet. Uh, at least I haven't found them, but as soon as those are back up, that's what I'm doing. Those are the best streams, by the way. I hope you, uh, I hope you taught it top eight, one of those again real soon. Well, I've come in like second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth at, so at least seventh, eighth, and first seventh, eighth, and first. So I need to do three more, three more. And okay. we'll be there. That's how math works, right? Exactly. It's how probability works. Awesome. All right. And I am D civilian. That's D S A V I L L I A N on Twitter and the Twitch. And, uh, I stream very infrequently, but, uh, we'll be more regular starting next week. So hopefully three nights a week, we'll look to see you there. So once again, thanks for listening, listening, and we'll catch you next time. Adios.